Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in our studio today is my co-pilot, Lil Baron. Hi. <laughs> Lil Baron. How are Lil you, Baron. Hey, I'm good. good. I'm good. Listen, today, we're, we're just going to talk about it today. Okay. We're just going to talk oh. about it. We've, we, you know, we regularly do, but today we're just going to talk about it. Okay. And that is sleep. Oh. I know. I know. <laughs> Listen, I, you love to sleep. I do. You just struggle with it. I struggle. Yeah, you just have a hard time with this. So the, the fact of the matter is, is we need it. Right. We got to get it. There is tons of research out there that shows that, yeah. you know, not getting enough sleep can impede your ability to think, to reason, to problem solve. It's also been connected to aging your skin. <laughs> causing weight gain, and really, maybe most importantly of all, it can cause long-term cognitive issues yeah. and perhaps even leading to dementia and Alzheimer's. There's a lot of you know, research that's kind of connecting those things. So we need it. And here's the deal. I found an article on Prevention Magazine called- Wait, wait. I need to go home now yeah. <laughs> sleep. <laughs> go take a nap. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I found this article. It's called, this, you'll like this. Okay. Try these tricks to get your best sleep ever. Okay, can we write those down? <laughs> I've got them right here. I'll, okay, we'll, we'll give share it to them me. with you for sure. I thought, I thought well, I'd just share a few of them. Okay. There, there are a lot of them. I just thought I'd share just a few of them. Okay, the first one, consider your environment. Now, what they mean by that, this is according to Dr. Amina Kung, who is an allergist and immunologist at Northwestern Medicine Central DuPage. Uh, sometimes poor sleep can be explained by allergies, so, oh. especially to things like dust mites, pets, and mold, uh, Dr. Kung says itchy eyes, congestion, runny nose, and post-nasal drip can prevent you from falling asleep or wake you up during the night. So, try taking an over-the-counter antihistamine or use a nasal spray to ease symptoms. Keeping your pets out of the bedroom and washing your seats regularly can also help. So, something huh. to consider. I don't know yeah. if, if that's your thing, but something that we might consider. Another one, cut down on caffeine. Okay. <laughs> if you're having trouble falling asleep having too much caffeine throughout the day may be an issue that's according to harvard health publishing for some people a single cup of coffee in the morning means a sleepless night now not everybody feels that oh. way but for some people they're really hypersensitive to caffeine caffeine can also increase the need to go to the bathroom during the night oh, so there's a problem okay. with getting good quality sleep so try reducing your caffeine intake or maybe getting rid of it altogether if it's affecting your sleep. Couldn't you get another one? <laughs> I <laughs> another. Have, I have some other ones. <laughs> here's, here's one that maybe you'll like. Try aromatherapy. Okay. You've probably used yeah. aromatherapy, right? Yeah. So it's easy to feel peaceful yeah. when you feel like you're lying in a bed of lavender flowers in a beautiful <laughs> meadow, right? So according to recent research published in Nursing and Critical Care, lavender essential oils can reduce anxiety and increase the quality of sleep. Mm. So okay. something to do. Here's another one. Wind down for the day. Your body needs time to wind down after a hectic day. So stop reading emails or scrolling through Instagram once you get into bed. This period is crucial in separating the chaos from the day from the quiet of bedtime, <laughs> experts say. So try turning on a podcast or maybe drawing in an adult coloring book before you crawl into the sheets. Do you, you do the coloring books, don't you? I have. Yeah. Yes. Do you find it relaxing? Does no, it help? Not so no. much. Okay. It's like yoga for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, now I know we're on the same page. <laughs> here's, here's an interesting one. 
This, right. this is a little counterintuitive, but consider having a later bedtime. Now, that's not what you would necessarily think, right? No. But just because you're crawling to bed at a decent hour doesn't necessarily mean you'll get more sleep. So they say, plan to be in bed only for the time you're truly sleeping. Again, that's according to Dr. Khan. So first, you want to figure out how many hours of sleep you want to get. So say that's seven hours. Mm -hmm. If you have to be up by 6 a.m., go to bed at 11 p.m., not 9 p.m. And then don't hang out there watching television or messing around on your phone. Just go to bed to sleep. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting thought, right? Yeah. Here's the last one. Eat well to sleep well. Oh, So according to Kristen Kirkpatrick, who is a registered dietitian, she's a manager of wellness nutrition services at the Cleveland Clinic. The perfect sleep-induced meal contains lean protein, like tofu, (laughs) but roasted turkey mm, Mm -hmm. or salmon, and uh, pair that with a complex carbohydrate like lentils or a sweet potato or some quinoa. They found that that combo has shown to stimulate calming neurotransmitters that help you doze off so simultaneously you want to avoid anything high in saturated fat because your digestive system will work overtime to break down these foods keeping you up later so you'll probably want to steer clear of french fries as a bedtime snack that's rude my kids used to call it a bed night (laughs) snack but you don't want to eat french fries for a bed night snack well anyway i I do have to tell you really fast so i found a meditation yeah. And it, so for the last week and a half, I've been sleeping my seven to you. eight hours. Yes. Really? Yeah. Well, see, so there's lots of ideas yes. out there. Lots of things that we can do. I was waiting for you to say that one, but no. You well, have to pick the so let me add meditation. <laughs> <laughs> <Lil>. <laughs> Today's guest yes. is the operations manager for the St. George Live Well Center, Alan Christensen. Alan holds a Bachelor of Science in Public Health Education and a Certificate of Gerontology from BYU. Alan also holds an MBA in Health Administration from the University of Colorado Denver and he's a multi-time repeat guest on the show and he always brings good (laughs) stuff with him so welcome back Alan welcome hey thank you guys (laughs) we're glad that you could join us I I concur sleep is an important thing (laughs) I was going to ask you tell tell us your take on it this is something that you have delved into a little bit well uh, yeah I mean I think I think it's really easy when we think about health to think about, you know, eating better and doing more exercise. And, you know, I think sleep is kind of the unsung hero. I think that's something that we all, you know, in one way or another struggle with. Um, as, you know, a father of four kids, uh, yeah. I understand the value more than anything at this point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and one is just a brand new baby too, right? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's under a year old, and uh, we finally got him into more of a rhythm of sleeping. So mom and dad are sleeping a lot better too. So the household, <laughs> great well, I mean, for sure, we all have seasons, and right. sometimes um, sleep is is going to happen, and sometimes it's not. But but you're right, Alan. Overall, man, I've just read so much research on how important it is, and yeah. it's, it's just it affects everything. It just yeah. really does. So we got to get that sleep. Yeah, and I and I really appreciated the the notion about uh, you know you maybe finding a time to sleep later. I I think that's a an important concept for us to being honest with ourselves. I think we know better than anybody else of really how our sleep pattern is. And I think the traditional thing is you go to bed at nine o'clock and you get up early, and it it doesn't work like that for everyone. So you know, being honest with yourself and realizing what what works for you. 
Yeah, I appreciated that too. Like I said, the, yeah. the title was counterintuitive to me, but as I read it, I was like, you know, that just makes a lot of sense, it especially does. if you're really not utilizing that wind down time very well. You know, if you're, if you're getting in bed at nine o'clock, but then you're, you know, surfing through TikTok <laughs> for three hours and then you're all wired up on all these silly, crazy, funny, um, you know, videos that you've watched or whatever, that's not going to help you get to sleep either. So you really need to differentiate between, like it said, the chaos of the day and the time that you're going to wind down. And then just like Alan, you, you nailed it. Just be honest with yourself. If you're, (laughs) if you're getting in bed at nine, but you're not falling asleep until one, um, I'm not saying one o'clock is the time for you to get in bed, but there's probably a disconnect there. Yeah. Yeah. And I would go back to even with the idea of, you know, cell phones and the, the research that's out there around, you know, blue light and, you know, the effects that does with, with sleep, you know, yeah. um, it might be something as simple as getting some blue light glasses and maybe, you know, experimenting to see if that is something that helps if you can't get away from your phone. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> blue we, lights, glasses, the, huh? Yeah, the blue kidding. light special, huh? <laughs> um, so we want to talk today with you, Ellen, about kind of the overall aspects, if you will, um, dimensions of wellness. And, and you know, sleep is certainly one right. of those. So we, so we kind of knocked on that door a little bit. What are other elements of just overall wellness that we ought to be aware of? And how do we, you know, maximize those areas so that we're really being well, that we're being, we're, we're having the success that we want with our health and wellness? Yeah. So when I was thinking about these different, you know, when, when you think about wellness, it's really, how do we define that? And, you know, when I was, you know, looking into things, you know, Dr. Bill Hetler, who's a co-founder for the National Institute of Wellness, really defined six dimensions. Um, and those six are, you know, emotional, uh, physical, uh, intellectual, occupational, spiritual, and social. Um, and so it's interesting because I feel like there's, there's some aspects around that, that kind of, you know, how does, how is emotional and spiritual different, you know? And so trying to, to understand each component of that and how they interact with one another. And, and then not, uh, overdoing one area and then under, you know, contributing, if you will, uh, spending the time that you need to in the other areas. It's trying to, trying to find that overall balance, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we get so stuck in, you know, like the physical component and it's, you know, in recent years over time that we're realizing that emotional and like behavioral component is, uh, you know, mental health is, become an emerging area that we're trying to have more of a conversation. I had some a dialogue with some medical school students just earlier today about that, about that we have to recognize that that's a real component and having a more frank conversation and breaking down the stigmas that that is no longer, that's a problem that everyone deals with. And how do we start to address that? Absolutely. And, um, I feel like we have a long way to go societally. There's no question about that. And at the same time, though, I feel like we've made tremendous strides. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a time not very long ago where you just never would talk about mental Mm -hmm. health. Like there was such a stigma and such a misunderstanding of even what it was and what it wasn't. And we're finally starting to kind of have some of these important discussions. And like I said, we've got a long ways to go. There's no question about it. We've got a long ways to go. But emotional health, emotional well-being 
is um, you know mental health. It's it's such a vital part of everything else. Is everything is connected. All of these elements, Alan, that you mentioned, they're all connected one to another, and you can't um, just overlook right. your emotional or your mental well being. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think of just uh, an earlier uh, interaction with you guys and talking about optimism, and I thought about a Yale study. Um, that talked, you know, and I think predominantly around the, the mid-adult senior population of the aging and retirement, you know, that seniors with, with a positive view of their lives lived an average of seven and a half years longer than those with, that had a more negative view. Um, you know, and so when you think about it, seven and a half years is a long a good amount of time that I think any of us would like to have. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even you do simple math, like seven and a half years takes your grandkids from a toddler to a teenager right. or from a teenager to a, you know, a, a, a young adult and someone mm-hmm. who's really, you know, a, man, of course you'd want to have that extra time if you could. And if all it takes is <laughs> having a positive attitude and looking on the bright mm-hmm. side and, and training and practicing yourself, practicing, training yourself so that you can do those things. Seems like it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I also think about another long-term study by the MacArthur Foundation where they found that 70% of physical aging and, you know, about 50% of mental aging is really determined by lifestyle choices that we make. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, a huge percentage when you think about just uh, when you factor lifestyle uh, choices, that's things that we have control of. And it kind of goes back again to these, these dimensions of wellness and how do we really take a self-evaluation and where we can start to make improvements. No, we definitely won't have time to dig into each of these, uh, each of these dimensions, each of these elements. And we've, we've talked about the emotional. Uh, I'm going to recommend we jump over physical. I think we all know we need to exercise and things like that. But let's talk a little bit about a couple of these other ones. Um, intellectual, just, just touch on that. How do we find that balance in that dimension in our overall wellness? I think, you know, I, when I think of intellectual, it's just expanding your knowledge and, and skills, you know, I think through creative, stimulating mental activities. So, you know, thinking about the ways that you pursue personal interests, you know, developing your intellectual curiosity and just, you know, I think staying on top of current issues, you know, ideas and just the ability to challenge yourself. I think of, I mean, we just went through a whole year of a pandemic and we're obviously not out of the woods yet. And just everything that's kind of fallen in between. And are we staying up to date with the latest of it? Are we willing to explore if it's not something that we're completely are in agreement with? What is it that, you know, the other thoughts and why do they think that way? You know, maybe there's things that we can learn to create more of an opportunity to, you know, fix and make ourselves whole as, as a country, as a, as a society in the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that. And, and, and let's be honest, you know, we just talked about mental health and, and, and whatnot too. Sometimes that can induce a lot of anxiety, the, the, the news and the current events and there's a balance there but I also like what you said at the beginning about intellectual and that is you know finding your pal- your your passions and your talents and you know like learning how to play the guitar or mm-hmm. or the ukulele or the uh, the recorder mm-hmm. or 
what's a what's a one note a kazoo that's more that's more my that's more my if i took a couple of lessons on the kazoo maybe i could play a song or two but but developing those talents and finding a passion and and it could be anything of course you know volunteering at a community center or helping kids read whether that's over zoom or in person at a school like just you know, de- developing your your uh, ability to use your mind and to engage yourself. I think there's something really powerful about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that really helps us in the in the realms of dementia and Alzheimer's, which is I think a lot that has emerged. And again, another area that I think a lot of people uh, fear and they don't want to deal with. I have. Uh, you know, family that have been impacted by that. And just, you know, not only the individual themselves going through that, but as caregivers, you know, working with them on a, on a regular basis and the toll it takes to, to help individuals in that aspect and the fear that, you know, is it hereditary? Is this something that I'm going to experience? You know, again, there's the ways that we can work around to prevent that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk for just a second about occupational. How do we, how do we find balance in that dimension? Hmm. So, I mean, I think when I think of this, it's kind of more of a how do we contribute kind of, you know, the skills that we bring and gifts to work that is rewarding and meaningful to ourselves. Um, You know, it might be developing new skills, volunteering, mentoring, teaching, coaching others, but finding that purpose of like, why do we wake up every morning, you know, for a good portion of our lives? Uh, you know, we have a career, we have a job, we have work that we, we do. But even beyond that, I think about a book that I read that a lot of people make fun of me that was around re- retirement. And why am I thinking about retirement at such a young age? But <laughs> you really, you really got to go into a plan of what your life's going to be like. You don't go from having this constant chaos and busyness to, you know, having nothing. If you go into retirement with the plan, that's where you end up doing nothing. And by doing nothing, that's where you start having a lot of these areas of your wellness and, you know, start go down the, the tube. Yeah, right. each of these dimensions suffers. I want to spend a little bit more time on this last one, and that is social. Um, man, here we are still, like you said, coming out of hopefully, you know, we're all hoping and crossing our fingers and there's so much light at the end of the tunnel Yeah, <laughs> coming out of this global pandemic. Um, but my word, as a as a nation, as a as a world, really, as a planet, we have spent time in lockdown and socially distanced and apart from each other. And in so many ways, it's been easy to lose some of these important social aspects. Talk a little bit about your thoughts on that dimension. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's no better time than right now that this has really given us time to reflect and think about how vital you know, social well-being is to us uh, on a personal level. And I think everyone's, everyone across the world, it's unique that, you know, no one's been immune from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I think about, you know, this area, an active social life is really, I think, according to the research, is associated with better cardiovascular out- outcomes, greater immunity to infectious disease, and less risk of depression and just overall longer life. So, I mean, who doesn't want, want that? And, but, you know, when we're in this restriction process, we, we're trying to figure out how do we still engage and keep that social wellness bucket alive and well. That's the big question, right? 
And and again, yeah. like you said there's so much research on a, oh, such a wide variety of things. We've been talking. We talked earlier about Alzheimer's and dementia, and they've found a ton of connections between being socially engaged and socially active, yeah. and you know those amyloid plaques that develop in our in our brains because of. Uh, that, that lead to the dementia and the Alzheimer's type situations. So, so it is, it's crucial. It's important. And, and um, yet it's been a challenge, right? So what are some ideas? What are some tips that you have that can help us again, recognizing fully that we're on our way out of this thing and hopefully right. we're going to be okay. But uh, what do you think? So when I was thinking about this, I kind of did some research and I came across the national Institute of health and NIH and they actually have a social wellness toolkit. And, you know, for the listeners, if you want to Google that, um, they really had these six strategies for improving your social health. And within that, they kind of had some ideas. And so I won't cover them all, but I'll at least touch and highlight some that I thought were um, either relevant or what we understand and some that are kind of interesting to think about. So the first area is around defining new social connections. And obviously, we've all dealt with that with now Zoom and WebEx and yeah. you know, doing things virtually. Um, but, you know, the idea around learning something new. So, you know, it might be learning to, to cook a new recipe or writing or doing music or, you know, taking a computer class so you can understand that, you know, how to unmute yourself when you're on, on, a, on a Zoom call, which we're all guilty of. <laughs> um, you know, joining a local group or finding other ways to get involved in things that you care about. And I think, again, it ties back to, you know, whether it's socially distanced, you know, or usually virtually, you know, there's ways that we can still connect and find areas that you're passionate about or things that you're learning and new being in your house or away from society that you really want to get involved and get connected with other, other people um, to really engage and socialize. Um, you know, another area that I thought was about just that I thought was valuable was learning to take care of yourself while caring for others. Um, and I think this is something that, again, I'm guilty of. Uh, uh, it was kind of an eye opener. So here's here's a simple but eye opening again, aha moment, the ability to ask for help. Mm. Um, you know, how much are we as a society uh, not in that position where we want to, you know, put stressors on other people but at the same time we all seek to i mean that's what brings us purpose is by helping other people right right so i don't know i think the ability to try to make a list of ways that other people can help us you know brings them purpose and again brings that connection um trying to take breaks every day you know finding respite care that can help you create time for yourself and or to spend with friends Sometimes we go through a day and it's like, gosh, I had no time to myself. I had no time to spend with my wife and no time to spend with my kids. Um, you got to prioritize that. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be plenty of things that take away time from you. Um, and so finding that balance, I think, is a, is a um, it goes on to another section to help make a, a more active community. You know, so when I think of social, I think of, you know, contributing to your community and environment and recognizing the interdependence of people and nature. You know, we just think of, when we think of social well-being, it's usually around about, about people, but, you know, what about the environments and the communities that we live in and how that creates the context of uh, allowing us to have um, social connection? I mean, for those in the Huntsman Senior Games that come to St. George, 
there's a lot of beauty here and, you know, being able to go outdoors and uh, see the mountains, um, it, you know, it creates that. Yeah. Uh, all, all such great stuff and, and good, important things. And, and again, it just all of the, everything that we've talked about today, everything that you just mentioned just kind of puts drops in our wellness bucket. And that's where we want to be for sure. Yeah. Alan, thank you so much. That's all the time that we've got to visit with you, but great information as always. Yes. And uh, we'll have you back sometime. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Lil. Yes. That was good stuff. That was good just, stuff. Just general. I know. Just overarching, just good, yeah. solid advice. So. I like that social part. Yeah. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. So listen, as we've mentioned in the past, and we were just speaking about the Huntsman World Senior Games, registration is open. It is. So you can check out all the schedules, the rules, the dates, as well as our COVID-19 plan that'll help keep us all safe at SeniorGames.net. And you can register while you're there. We already have over 2,700 athletes that have registered already for the (laughs) event that happens in October. And frankly, while you're there on our website, check out some of the great content we have. We've got regular health and wellness blog posts. We've got access to our Living Your Best Life webinar series. We have one coming up soon on Alzheimer's. Yes. which would be great and a yeah. veritable plethora of information on active aging. So mm-hmm. check that out. Remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. Of course, we take this live show and we turn it into a podcast and you can subscribe to that podcast anywhere that they're found. If you're listening by podcast, take a moment and give us a rating, write a quick review. One of the best and easiest places to leave a review is at podchaser.com slash the active life. You can also find this as well as previous shows right on our website. Once again, that is seniorgames.net. In honor of St. Patrick's Day, which okay. was just yesterday, I thought I would share an Irish proverb as our closing thought. Okay. A good friend is like a four-leaf clover, hard to find and lucky to have. Oh, I like that. Until next Thursday, stay active. Stay active.